It's Wednesday, December 2nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today from the Great White North, it's Jim Gillies. Good to see you. Good to be seen, Chris. It is indeed the Great White North this morning and the last three days. <laughs> uh, I'm jealous that you have snow and I don't, but that's, you know. You can have mine. <laughs> Um, we got a bunch of things to get to. We're going to talk about trading hours. We're going to talk about negative equity. We're going to talk about what in the world is going on with BlackBerry. Uh, but we got to start with the deal, which is now done. Salesforce buying Slack in a deal worth more than $27 billion, which makes it one of the biggest deals ever in the software industry. As reported, it's a cash and stock deal. Um, not quite 50-50. It seems like it's a little bit more cash than stock. Um, we can go in any number of directions you want, Jim. But I, I think the headline here is that for anyone who was wondering whether or not Salesforce as a business and Mark Benioff as a CEO is gunning for Microsoft, you don't have to wonder about that anymore. You do not. Uh, he's he's his flag is rolled out. He has declared battle is joined, and yes, um, the deal is uh, Salesforce is buying Slack in a uh, kind of a, a denouement that we all kind of expected. This deal has been rumored for a while. Uh, it's twenty six dollars and seventy nine cents in cash, and point zero seven seven six shares of Salesforce. You get the cash plus that per small number of shares of Salesforce in exchange for every uh, share, one share of uh, Slack that you own. Uh, so at the current price of Salesforce, which is about as as I was making my notes at about $224, uh, that works out to about just over $44 a share for Slack. Slack is trading at roughly 43, which is su- suggesting that the market doesn't really see that much possibility for so uh, a competing offer. Um, not likely a competing bid. Um, uh, you mentioned Microsoft. Microsoft probably couldn't do a bid. They'd probably get knocked down on antitrust. Uh, rules, uh, but also saying, well, maybe Atlassian or Oracle is probably not going to come out either. Um, it's not hard to find um, articles this morning. I found a few uh, in the last couple hours talking in grandiose language about how this does revolutionize, revolutionize the SaaS business. Uh, very definitely, this is Benioff uh, putting together uh, a strong competitor to Microsoft and their team's offering. Um, you have unfortunately brought me on today where I am not much of a software or tech guy, uh, so I can't speak to uh, the nitty-gritty details of what's going on here. I'm more looking at this as an investing or as investor's perspective. And I think this is a good deal for uh, Slack shareholders. I think you should be happy to have this. Um, and, and there are several reasons for that. Uh, one is, look, Slack has always been an expensive company in terms of valuation. Um, it has only recently turned free cash flow positive that is self-financing. Um, and you can argue that their recent uh, cash production, uh, you can argue that that's somewhat you know, to do with being pulled, uh, cash flows being pulled forward due to the pandemic. Uh, at an enterprise value of just over 24 billion, um, Slack is currently priced at 520 times free cash flow. So um, 
that's mildly expensive. Uh, it'll take you five centuries to get your money back uh, based strictly on the cash producing business. Uh, I don't know what you're going to be doing in five centuries, Chris. Uh, I have no plans. Um, I, I would suggest you probably shouldn't either. Um, you know, it's trading at about 29 times trailing revenue, 23 times forward revenue. Um, revenue growth is expected in the mid 20% for the next couple of years. So you should expect to pay a premium for that level of growth. Um, but it's hard to, to argue that this has not already been priced into Slack. And the last thing, Slack only IPO'd like mid-2019. This is, this is a fairly recent market participant. If you were to, to take bets, Chris, on the over-under of what's been the better investment, Slack or the S&P 500 benchmark, which would you take? Uh, well, I've actually done a little bit of homework. I haven't compared it directly to the S and P 500, but I'm going to take the S and P 500 because when would, Slack went public, yeah, when yeah. Slack went public, I think it, it closed opening day at, at, I think it went public at 38 a share somewhere around. Yeah, there. I, I, the official IPO price was 26 dollars, but of course, you and I can't get that price, and it, I think it debuted at 38.50. So it comes out at 38, as you say, 38.50. Um, you know, you've got the 26 in the pre in the pre-IPO, but I'm not, I, I'm not big enough to be assigned those shares, so I would have to buy on the market like everyone else. Um, yeah, so it went out at 38. But even if you take the $26, the S&P 500 has, has been the better performer, frankly. And of course, against the $38 one. Look, if you bought this in March when everything was falling apart, you've done well. You've done well. But then again, if you bought the S&P, <laughs> In March, when everything was falling apart, you've also done well. Um, you know, so I, I think it's a great deal for for Slack shareholders because I frankly don't like going up against Microsoft and their Teams offering. Um, I, I think in in a battle of resources here, uh, Slack, you are not the winner. Microsoft has more than you do. Uh, you and I, Chris, we use we use Slack every day. We like it. It's, it's integral to our jobs. Uh, but, you know, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the dominant product going forward. And, and I think for Slack shareholders, I think uh, you should be happy with this deal. You absolutely should. The last thing I'll add is I think this is going to be very interesting to watch how this plays out for Salesforce because this is a big acquisition. Look, Benioff has made uh, acquisitions uh, in the past. Um, uh, Tableau, uh, you know, that was a $15 billion acquisition. Um, so, he, he has, uh, I would argue, a, a good to pretty good track record in terms of making acquisitions and transitioning them into the core Salesforce business. This is a bigger deal, literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. This is a bigger deal. Uh, as you said, this signals uh, unambiguously to Microsoft that we are gunning for you. Uh, Salesforce is a much bigger company than Slack with much uh, deeper pockets. They're not as deep as Microsoft's. So, so few, few um, are, few are, uh, few are. But the, the, you know, this also comes. You know, it wasn't all that long ago that that Mark Benioff was quoted as saying, "I don't think this is a great environment right now for M and A activity." I, I'm, I'm looking forward to someone writing the 5,000-word article of how this deal came together. Because as you said, it wasn't like there was this huge bidding war for Slack. Salesforce was doing this on their own. This was two companies that got together. And again, when Benioff is quoted as saying, I don't think this is a great environment for M&A activity, so uh, I, I'm not rooting against them. Um, I don't, oh, no. I, yeah. I don't have a dog in this fight, but I... No. Um, 
Uh, I'm going to be interested to see how um, this works 12 months from now. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, uh, I, I think without going too deep down the rabbit hole, look, the, the present market environment is uh, fairly robust, certainly for tech companies. It's fairly ripe and valuations are generous right now. Um, I'm old enough that I've done this. I, I've, I've watched this in real time at other times when the markets have been um, high, excited, uh, 99, 2000 comes to mind. There were a lot of deals in 99 for a lot of companies and, uh, um, you know, not all of them worked out terribly well. I'll, I'll put it that way. But uh, look, if you're a Slack shareholder, um, again, you're getting a nice chunk of cash back. Which, which I think is, is, is very good for you. You're also getting some Salesforce shares because I, I, I again, I, I like you, I have no dog in this fight. Um, I don't want to see Benioff and, and, and Salesforce fail, frankly. I, I want to see them succeed with this. I want to see them uh, compete well with Microsoft. I think it's healthy for everyone. And, and you can, you get, you're going to get to participate here with, uh, with just slightly less than half the deal coming to you in the form of, of Salesforce shares, which you can hold or which you can sell as you, as you choose. Uh, so I think, uh, again, I, it, were I a Slack shareholder, I would like this deal. Shares of BlackBerry are up 10% today, which means that in the past month, shares of BlackBerry are up more than 70%. And I know that they have this new partnership with Amazon Web Services, but is that everything that's going on here? Like, is that is that what has fueled this incredible... That's not enough. <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm happy for them. And that's, you know, that's... But is, is, that, is that all of the rise that we're seeing? Is some of this short covering as well? Or is this... What what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, I, I until yesterday I kind of forgot I owned BlackBerry personally, and then I look at it. Oh, okay. You know what? I bet, um, you, I bet you're not the only one. Well, I, I I I don't think I'm the only one who works for the Motley Fool. I could give you some names. I was like, oh, we still own that. Um, yeah. Th th look, this is actually uh, good for them. They're, they're, uh, you ask, uh, is there something else going on? Uh, they mentioned they were selling off some patents and what have you uh, a few weeks ago. I think um, that certainly is not responsible. I mean, maybe they, maybe the market was looking at, you know, get they're getting some cash for those too. But uh, BlackBerry's been one of those companies that uh, I joke I forgot I owned it. But you know, I mean, uh, I really didn't. But I not one I've really been paying attention to for the last couple of years, except for to look at it and say, okay, this should be better than it is. Uh, BlackBerry, of course, is the artist formerly known as Research in Motion, AKA the company that fumbled the smartphone uh, market uh, when the former co-CEOs didn't seem to view a little invention called the iPhone as a, as a serious competitor, oops. Um, and so they've had to reinvent themselves. They reinvented themselves under the leadership of John Chen. Uh, who came over from Sybase, where he basically took a, a, another company that had fumbled their main industry and he took it in a completely different di direction. Um, in, in the case of BlackBerry, he said, we're not going to do smartphones and handsets and all of this stuff. We are going to be a software and service and securities company, security company, not securities, trading securities. Um, and, and so he has spent the last seven years now transforming the business um, handsets are gone blackberries are gone the um there is there, there was a, an acquisition of a company called silence 
which butts up against a very popular company called CrowdStrike in, in some applications. CrowdStrike has a much higher valuation than, um, uh, than BlackBerry has ever had, or at least recently. Um, and and so it it was we we and they have this they have the QNX operating system they they touch on a bunch of what's called Internet of Things so making sure that anything that touches the internet the security is handled it's handled by by BlackBerry they have their QNX uh, software which also goes into uh, cars so there's always been a lot of really interesting pieces here and the market has not cared until yesterday when they sign a deal with Big Daddy Bezos. Uh, out of Seattle with uh, Amazon Web Services to basically bring to market and develop this thing called BlackBerry Ivy, which is going to basically support, uh, it, basically it's going to go into cars and work with the data that sensors and cars um, produce. Uh, you remember back to the 90s and the early 2000s, Chris, I'm sure, when your computer would come with a, uh, a little tag on it that said Intel inside. And it would come with a little picture of the Microsoft Windows logo. So you knew what chip you were getting. I kind of, when I, when, I, when I heard about this deal yesterday, this is kind of what I thought of. It's like, they're going to be, you know, because right now, car manufacturers aren't standardized on any system. They're not really standardized and working together. Um, there's no, and it's kind of, they're, they're all often their own little fiefdoms, if you will. Uh, and, and here is going to be BlackBerry Ivy with a goal of, of supporting multiple vehicle operating systems, tied up to the cloud to ensure compatibility across car makers, across models and brands. Uh, it's going to build on what BlackBerry already has, the, the car operating system I told you about earlier. Um, and, and it's going to be a lot of, uh, if, if you are a believer in the uh, increasingly um, wired autonomous car story, uh, I'm not talking full self-driving because I still think that's several decades, if not a forever away where you know you get into a car and there's there's no gas pedal and there's no steering wheel you just say i want to go here i don't think i'm going to see that unfortunately in my lifetime um but you know they're going to talk about you know uh, leveraging vehicle data to to recognize driver behavior and hazardous conditions so icy roads large traffic uh tell the driver, hey, do this or, you know, uh, put this feature on. You could also, uh, one thing I saw that was interesting was um, BlackBerry Ivy would provide real-time cloud-based insights to uh, parents of teenage drivers. I, I about to have one of those in the house. Um, who may choose to receive customized notifications based on insights from the vehicle sensors when the number of passengers in the vehicle changes or when the driver appears to be texting, distracted, not observing speed limits. Um, so I love it know, already. I, I was going to say, I mean, you know, it's, I could put the fear of God into my teen as much as I want, but you know, he's still a teen boy and you know, we'll, we'll see what he does. Uh, but so I, I think that the, the, the market waking up and, and, and we looked this morning, we were looking around to see who had picked up on this story. Uh, and, and there's, you know, certainly the story's out there, but there's not a lot. There, there were some other aspects that, that hadn't been picked up. Uh, certain message boards, traffic. So it still seems to, I mean, it's starting to get a little play, but um, I, I think it's really, it's an interesting deal. And BlackBerry's not terribly expensive. And a small part of me, just to go back to the CRM, sorry, Salesforce, I apologize. My dog is making noise in the background. Um, uh, to go back to the Salesforce and Slack story, one of the, 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 the end game in John Chen's prior turnaround was he sold it and he sold it for six or seven times the value of the company when he took it over. 
I've always thought that was going to be the end game with BlackBerry. That essentially he, he turns into a software and services company and then it gets snapped up. I just wonder if we just saw the first potential stage. It certainly hasn't been a seven-bagger like his last one at Sybase. But I kind of wonder if this is the, the first step to someone realizes, oh, BlackBerry, they're not that phone maker anymore. They actually are a software and services company. And boy, they'd look good in our portfolio. All right, let's dip into the full mailbag. We'll make it quick so you can... Uh help your dog out. Uh, <laughs> as always, the email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. From Jerry Villani in Cleveland, Ohio, he writes, Fidelity has given me the option to trade in the morning from 7 to 9.30 a.m. I don't think I want to do this because it seems the volatility is greater and it tempts me to trade more when I know I should be trading less. Can you please discuss the pros and cons of trading outside the normal market hours? And if any of you do it, I don't do it. Um, I, I it never even occurred to me to check with uh, TD Ameritrade if I have that option. But honestly, I don't look at that hour of the morning. I'm I'm only on my second or third cup of coffee. I, I'm not going to be trading. Um, but uh, are there pros to like? I don't know. Well, like, what are the pros and cons in your mind? I there aren't any. <laughs> it's a real simple answer. Look, the market's open for you know nine thirty to four o'clock Eastern time every day. You got lots of time to do your trading there. Um, if you, uh, for I, I, I'm someone who thinks that trading is is kind of a dirty word. Uh, I'm not a big fan of trading per se. Uh, if I want to buy shares of, let's say, I really like uh, I really like this BlackBerry deal. I want to buy BlackBerry today. I can I got you know six and a half hours of open market condition with all kinds of trade volume that I can go buy myself some more BlackBerry if I so chose or any other stock. Um, I've I've had the option to trade pre and post market myself or the after hours before market hours. I've had that for more than two decades. I've never made a transaction in those hours. I've never felt the need to do so. And you are correct. You don't need to do so either. Question from Elijah Hemingway, um, who is 12 years old. Um, and uh, is investing with his dad. He, he wrote a very nice note about how he um, read The Motley Fool Investment Guide for Teens, which, by the way, is a great book and is still available um, if you're looking for something, uh, a, a different kind of gift this holiday season. It, it really is a, a great, great book. Um, shout out to uh, Selena Moranji and our longtime colleague for, uh, for her work on that. Um, so he, and he, he's investing with his dad. Uh, through our stock advisor service, um, and he, he wrote in a, a question about um, uh, negative equity. Um, it basically, saying you know, notice that with uh, businesses with a franchise model like McDonald's and Wendy's, seeing negative uh, equity, wondering if that's just part of the franchise business, but also, you know, the core question is. What does negative equity mean for stockholders? You know, how can you own stock in a company that has negative equity? Is it a sign of bankruptcy? I'm kind of new to this type of thing, uh, so I appreciate you taking the question. Um, so, at its core, negative equity and what it means for investors. That is a great question, and it congratulations is. that you're 12 year old. Uh, you're 12 years old, and you're doing this. I think this is fantastic. Um, Let's let's hit the franchise model first, because what you're talking about. Let's franchise models are are often um, very asset light, very you know cash heavy. So you don't actually need uh, equity on the balance sheet. The balance sheet, the famous equation is assets is equal to liabilities plus equity. 
Okay. So you might say, well, in this case, if equity is negative, doesn't it mean that there's more liabilities than there is assets? And that, that's exactly what it means. Um, you know, the equation, the, the equation must hold. Um, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, most of the time, it's not a bad thing at all. If a company is very asset light, so franchise business models, your dominoes and, you know, uh, Tim Hortons and whatever, um, these are basically think about the business model here. Okay. A franchising business model is I call them check cashing machines. Uh, every month, the first of the month, you, Chris, you bought a franchise from me. So you send me a check for 6% of your gross revenue, not net gross, uh, regardless of what happens in your business and how you're managing your costs. I get 6% of your, of your revenue every month. That's a pretty good deal. I've sold you a system, but I don't, I'm not paying for the real estate. I'm not paying for the workers, yada, yada. Uh, so I just go cash your check and I'll see you next month and we're going to do this again. And I do that several thousand times if I'm a successful franchisor like uh, Domino's Pizza or uh, uh, Restaurant Brands International, which owns the aforementioned Tim Hortons or um, Burger King. Uh, so so the always think about the type of business you're dealing with. Okay. Now, when you look at a company's balance sheet, it has negative equity. And, and I, I see in the question here as well, you, you kind of mentioned a co two companies that are really great examples of the phenomenon. Okay. You mentioned Wayfair and AutoZone. And you generally get negative equity on the balance sheet via two pathways. One is the company is losing money, posting gap, generally accepted accounting principles, gap losses. Okay. And a loss on the income statement, when it transfers over to the balance sheet, lands in the equity account, lands in there in the, the concept of retained earnings. Okay. So one way, I would argue the less cool way for a company to get negative equity is it's been a money loser for several years. And if you look at a historical track record of Wayfair, Wayfair has been losing money for years. Okay. So that's why Wayfair has negative equity. The more cooler, better for you as an investor reason why a company might have negative equity is in the other company that was mentioned in, in, in the question, which was AutoZone. Okay. And AutoZone makes a ton of cash every year. And I care about cash. I'm a cash flow guy. So they make a ton of cash every year. And what they choose to do with that cash is they buy back their own stock on the market and they shrink the number of shares outstanding. So every share that remains outstanding now owns a proportionately larger share of the business. Okay. And again, when you buy back shares, the accounting treatment for that is that is seen as a use of owner's equity or the equity account on the balance sheet. Um, it doesn't mean that the business is struggling. Doesn't mean that the business is in trouble. Far from it. Uh, I look at AutoZone, for example. Uh, they look like they did about yeah 2.2 billion dollars in cash flow in the last year. They added about yeah you know look like they added about 300 uh, million in debt, and then they bought back uh, just shy of a billion in stock. And they've been buying back AutoZone. Looks like they've been buying back about a billion and a half, close to two billion a year, four years. And that drains the equity account. But they make a ton of cash. They're not going bankrupt. They're, they're going to laugh at you if they say they're going to go bankrupt. They're, they're just using the cash they generate, plus a little leverage in times like when you have zero interest rates. Uh, they're doing that to increase your share of the business. And I think that's pretty good. Goes back to something we talk about from time to time uh, when we're looking at company management is, how good are these people at capital allocation? 
there are a lot of different ways to spend money when you're running a business. You can spend it investing in the business. You can spend it on buybacks. You can spend it on dividends. And the longer a business stick, sticks around, the longer a management team sticks around, the longer the track record that we as investors get to evaluate. And as you said, AutoZone's track record is phenomenal in that regard. It's pretty good. Jim Gillies, always good talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Candles go, so happy that I can see you again. Wonderful time with my family and friends. Ain't nothing better than this, yeah. For all we know, this time may not come around again. And that's why I never wanted to end It's such a beautiful bliss Oh, happy feelings everywhere We're dancing in the Christmas chair The kids are waiting in their beds for Santa Oh, Santa I don't have a long list this year The presents is my present here Christmas spirit in the air is all I need So let it snow, snow. Oh, say My point of view And mama says come in Trust me I will come running Cause I know it's about to be something And that something is all I need So let it snow, snow. Oh say oh. you won't go Cause I, I just wanna be with the love is. I, I just wanna be with the love is. Let it snow, snow. Oh say oh. you won't go Cause I'm so happy to spend